Alright, well, anybody like to eat around here? Anyone enjoy eating? I do it regularly. I make a, I make a regular habit out of eating. Anybody with me on that? I'm going to try to preach, preach in a timely fashion so we can beat the Baptists to the barbecue, everybody. Amen? Alright. I don't know if the Baptists do the barbecue in this town, but I don't know. It's a funny thing to say. Hey, Kim, I got a little ring in this microphone. Can you turn this mic down just a little bit? It's good for singing, not so good for preaching. Alright. So turn in your Bible with me to Ephesians chapter 3. I've titled this talk today, The King's Banquet. The King's Banquet. How many of you like to ever gone to a fancy dinner? Have you ever been on a cruise before? Ever got, like any done a, a dinner cruise before? It's pretty fun, right? Um, how many of you gone to like a dignitary's house? Like maybe you went, maybe you sat at the captain's table on the ship, or maybe you went to the mayor's house. Or that's good, Kim. That's probably plenty. Thank you. Uh, so when you go to the mayor's house, or you go to the captain's table, you know you can't just go to the captain's table, right? What do you need? in order to eat at a fancy meal. You have to be invited, right? You have to be invited. You don't just roll on up to the captain's table and go, well, hey, Cap, how's it going? Nope, you have to be invited. You have to be invited. Kim and I actually got invited to a very fancy pants party yesterday right here in the neighborhood in the Keep, right, right next to, have you seen the Keep? These multi-million dollar homes next door. Well, I thought I would just be neighborly one day. I called up and said, hey, I'm the pastor of the of the church that just kind of taken possession down here in the valley, and we just love to say hello, and like, oh, you know, it'd be great if you came to our meet and greet. We're doing a meet and greet. So Kim and I got invited to this very exclusive meet and greet next door, and the guy's got polo ponies and horses, and these are zillion dollar places. It's crazy. They only need seven buyers. They only need seven. Uh, that's all, but you know, they have these giant lots. It's crazy. But we wouldn't have gone in there, couldn't even get in there, without an invitation. You know the king is throwing a banquet? The marriage supper of the lamb is coming? <laughs> There's going to be a great banquet in heaven one day? Jesus describes the kingdom of God as like a king who throws a banquet. And there's a bridegroom who's coming. And there's an invitation. And you are invited. You are invited. But the question is, will you respond to the invitation? Will you take the king's invitation? Will you prepare yourself for the banquet? Will you do what you need to do as friends of the bridegroom to prepare yourself and make yourself ready? Well, the first thing you have to do to be prepared is to accept the king's invitation, right? And so I'm using that as a grid. We're talking about setting the table or making ready for the king's banquet. Ephesians chapter 3. We're talking about a mysterious plan. Paul says that there's something going on in the world today. There's something happening. God is up to something. Aren't you glad God is up to something? Because we know the devil's up to something. Like, that is clear. All you have to do is open your eyes, turn on the news, or look at social media, and you can see the devil's up to something. But God's up to something, too. He has a mysterious plan that he's working. And don't you want to know what God's secret plan is? Ooh. I do too. That's what the spirit of prophecy is all about, which I'll talk about our fall retreat and the Holy Spirit and all that stuff. We need to hear a word from the Lord and get connected to the Holy Spirit that will be really connected with his divine plan. But here's what Paul says in Ephesians chapter 3, God's mysterious plan revealed. He says, as I briefly wrote earlier, God himself revealed his mysterious plan to me. 
Paul says, I got this revelation from the Lord. This is why I started writing these letters and started preaching the gospel to these Gentiles and going from city to city and town to town and making disciples and telling the whole Gentile world that Jesus wasn't just a Jewish Messiah. He, was, he came to die for the sins of all mankind. And this mysterious plan, he says, and this is the plan. Verse 6, this is God's plan. Both Gentiles and Jews who believe the good news share equally in the riches inherited by God's children. Both are part of the same body. And both enjoy the promise of blessings because they belong to Christ Jesus. By God's grace and mighty power, I have been given the privilege of serving him by preaching this good news. I, he, he had an invitation from the Holy Spirit to go preach the gospel. Not only did Paul get saved, but he, he accepted a calling to be a preacher of the gospel. Not just a preacher of the gospel like the disciples were to the Jewish people, but to take the gospel to the Gentiles. He got this revelation that, hey, this blood of Jesus works for everybody. It works for all the nations. This promise that God made to Abraham, it's being fulfilled in the gospel. What did God say to Abraham? He said, ask of me and I will give you the nations as your inheritance. It doesn't, it doesn't say I'll give you the Jews. It doesn't say I'll give you the Arabs. Not just your blood sons. I'm going to give you the nations. All the nations of the world will be your inheritance. What a beautiful plan. God is working out a mysterious plan. And what we talked about in last week's chapter, this plan is that everything is slowly coming under the authority of Christ. Now, you know the devil goes kicking and screaming sometimes, right? He doesn't want to come under authority. He's been a rebel from the very beginning. So why would he change now? Right? He's always been a rebel. But God is slowly bringing all of creation under his authority. Verse 12, he says, Because of Christ and our faith in him, we can now come boldly and confidently into God's presence. So please don't lose heart because of my trials here. For I am suffering for you, so you should not, you should not uh, feel my... my so you should feel honored. My highlight's are green, so it's hard to read through the green highlight today. You know, the, when we suffer, we go through difficulty. We think, oh, God left me. God doesn't care about me. Where are you, God? <laughs> He's right there. <laughs> He's with you in the trouble. He's with you in the suffering. Heck, He's more near probably on the bad days than He is on the good days. <laughs> right? Because on the good days, we go, I got this. I got this. He's like, okay, you got this? Go ahead. <laughs> oh, you need me now. Oh, you need me. Okay, I'm near to the brokenhearted. Right? I'm close to you. All you have to do is call on him. So here's what Paul says. He's praying for spiritual growth. He says, I pray that from this glorious unlimited resources that he will empower you with inner strength through his spirit. Or the another translation says that you will be strengthened in the inner man. On the inside, you'll have a supernatural strength that comes from God. Then Christ will make his home in your hearts as you trust in him. Your roots will grow down into God's love and keep you strong. And may you have the power to understand, as God's people should, how wide, how long, how high, and how deep is his love for us. See, that's why on a Sunday morning, I can boldly say, we're going to ask God for healing and believe that we're going to get it. 
says, I can boldly come before the throne of grace because I, I'm not coming on my own qualifications. I'm coming because Christ has qualified me. I'm coming because the Holy Spirit is upon me, right? He's anointed me to preach the good news to the poor, to declare the acceptable year of the Lord, freedom to the captives, recovery of sight to the blind, that the dead are raised, amen, somebody, that God can take a bad situation and turn it around for his good. And that's not because I'm good, it's because he's good. And because he's commanded me to preach this gospel. And he's commanding you as a believer to do the same. You don't come in your own authority, you come in his authority. You come in the authority of his word. So we can come boldly before the throne of grace and ask for what we need. And he will provide, not all of our wants all the time, but he'll provide what we need according to his glorious riches in Christ Jesus. So when you suffer, does it mean God has abandoned you? No. <laughs> it means you're being perfected. <laughs> it means you're learning to grow and to trust God more. Your faith is being tested for sure, right? But you have a choice in that moment to get mad at God and push God away and be angry with God and say, I'm never going to follow you. I'm never going to serve you. Or you have a choice to say, God, I need you. I need you right now. Lord, come be with me. Comfort me. Heal me. Help me. Show me what to do. And many people in that hour of decision, they make the wrong decision. And it affects the whole rest of their lives. Can I tell you the best decision you can make in times of trial? Don't run away from God. Run to Him. <laughs> He's going to help you. He's going to strengthen you. So if you're going to come to the King's Banquet, you got to first accept the invitation. Right? And if we're preparing the table, see, part of what Christ says, when we become adopted into God's family, we become like His family his servants along with Christ. Christ said, I became a servant. He took on the nature of a servant. It's not about me, it's about others, right? I come not to be served, but to serve. And if Christ came to serve, but not to be served, how could we do any less? <laughs> so he says, God's preparing a banquet. He's preparing a banquet for the nations. There's an invitation for you to receive. And what do you do if you know you're having company over? Let's say, let's say you invite the governor to come to your house and you know he's going to come. Be a little stressed out about what you're going to put on the table. Get a little stressed out about how you might be judged or uh, your, is your tableware good enough or you think about uh, your tablecloth and the napkins and everything that's going to go on there. And if things were dirty, you would probably clean it, right? You would probably vacuum the place and there are any crumbs on the table, you'd get that off, right? These days in COVID, you'd probably get some alcohol wipes and wipe it down real good. Make sure there's no Rona there on the table, right? You make sure it's real clean, right? And you get the table ready. So when servants get the table ready, of course, they, they wash everything down, they clean it. And in the old days, especially in England and Brit in British culture, many times the dining room was only used, or the ballroom was only used on very special occasions, maybe only once a year. Or maybe only on, on, a, on a basis when a dignitary would come to the manor or to the house. It would only be used if a dignitary came. Otherwise, the room would be covered in dust cloth. Every, every piece of furniture would just be covered. Right? But if we were setting the table, we would wipe it down first. We'd clean it. We'd make sure it looks good. Right? We'd begin to put, we'd put the, the glasses on the table. Right? Maybe we'd have some candles. We'd light the place, right? Especially if a fancy dinner, if you ever have a date dinner. 
the first step is you light the candle and you fill the glasses, right? And if you're if it's very fancy, oftentimes there will be kind of a mingling and hors d'oeuvres before you sit down at table, right? Johnny, you want the rest of this fresco? There you go. There you go. A refreshing drink for our guitar player today. Isn't that nice? So we light the candle, we fill the glasses, we prep the table, we get ready. And if it's a multi-course meal, of course, all of the servants and the cooks in the kitchen are going crazy, getting everything ready. They're stirring the pots and they're, they're, they're you know, the, the sous chefs are prepping all the vegetables. We're doing all the things we have to do for a very fancy meal. Like, of course, it's not just one course, right? We have the hors d'oeuvres, the appetizers. We have the beginning, then we have a salad, probably, right at the beginning. And there's a rule about, you know about all the little, the, the flatware that you see? You work from the outside in. If you ever get to a fancy place, you go, well, how do I, what do we do? Tools I use just work your way from the outside in. And so there's a salad fork, right? There's a dinner fork. There's a dessert fork. If there's uh, escargot or other kind of appetizers, there might be a crab cracker, right? You might have different tools based on what food you might be eating, right? So you just... You take it as it goes, everybody. Don't get too freaked out. A lot of people don't know what they're doing at a fancy dinner. You just kind of sit by someone who looks like they know and just imitate what they're doing. Oh, that, okay, that's the, oh, that's the fork, okay. Right? Pretend like you know what you're doing. Right? Pretend you're not a caveman. Right? And so when we prepare uh, as servants of the king, we set the table, we serve the way Christ would serve, we don't, we, we don't do it for ourselves. We're doing, we're setting the table for others. That others could enjoy the banquet with the king. They could see what's on offer. They can enjoy his fellowship the way that we enjoy it. Because, you know, when, once we become believers, Jesus comes back and just sits in our kitchen. You know that Jesus will come and sit in your kitchen? You ever Jesus mess with your kitchen before? Come on. Well, a, a real disciple sees Jesus mess with their kitchen. Goes, no, what are we doing? No, get that out of here. These curtains are terrible. Get that out. What are you doing with this? No, what, what is this for? Jesus will get into your chili. Come on, somebody. If you really become a disciple, you really say, Jesus, all of me for all of you, everything's on the table. Whatever it takes to be your follower, guess what? He's going to mess with some stuff in your life. He's not going to leave you in your mess. He's going to start cleaning some things up. Now, you don't clean yourself up to make yourself worthy of him. You receive him by faith. His spirit comes in, and he starts sitting with you in the kitchen. He says, hey, I need to prepare the, the king's banquet. There are others that need to be invited. There are others that need to hear the good news. There are others that need to sit down and have fellowship with Jesus. Ooh, are you getting this? You understanding what I'm talking about? This is vital. So we clean and prep the table, and that brings me to chapter 4. There needs to be unity in the body of Christ. Paul says, therefore, I, a prisoner for serving the Lord, beg you to lead a life worthy of your calling. For you have been called by God. Always be humble and gentle. Be patient with, with each other, making allowance for each other's faults because of your love. Make every effort to keep yourselves united in the Spirit, Binding yourselves together with peace. For there is one body and one spirit, just as you have been called to one glorious hope for the future. There is one Lord, one faith, one baptism, 
one God and Father of all, who is over all and in all and living through all. He's the king. He is sovereign. He's in charge. And so Paul continues here in verse 11 of chapter 4. He says, Now these are the gifts that Christ gave to the church, the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, and teachers. Their responsibility is to equip God's people to do His work and to build up the church, the body of Christ. God calls men and women to different apostolic callings within the church to use those gifts to build up the body of Christ and to prepare others for the king's banquet, to pull other people to the party, to say, hey, have you heard? You've been invited. There's an amazing invitation. This is waiting. This is set aside. It's got your name on it. It's got your name on it. The king wants you at his table. Will you say yes to the invitation? We're, he's making all things ready. And we, the church, we're his co-heirs and laborers and servants under Christ, saying, God, what do we need to do to prepare ourselves for that great wedding feast, for that great wedding day? Not because I feel guilty, not because I'm trying to earn God's love. I already know he loves me. I'm already in the family. He already, he already gets into my kitchen and we, we break out the nachos when nobody's looking. We do that together. That's what me and Jesus do. But he's throwing a party and he wants other people to be there. Right? So when you walk with God, then you settle those basic issues of salvation. I know I've been adopted. I know I'm his son. I know I'm his daughter. Now he's calling me higher. He's calling me to do something else. He's calling me to be a leader, to act like a leader, to talk like a leader, to grow in my gifts, to become apostolic or to be a, a teacher or a pastor, or to, to, to go into these different callings, to be an evangelist, to take the gospel to people who haven't heard it before. I don't know anything about Jesus. That's how we have to grow up. We can't just stick with the basic teachings anymore. We gotta, we gotta say, no, there's more to this. There's more to this. I'm a member of his, of his house. I'm in the family. Because I'm in the family, I'm helping prepare the banquet. How do I do that? I, I let the Holy Spirit cleanse me and sanctify me, clean the table, fill the drinks, light the candle. I think in many ways the candle could represent the flame of passion for God and worship that lights up the darkness in our lives. That this could represent the Spirit, right? The, the water of the Holy Spirit by washing of renewal, continuing sanctification every day and becoming conformed more and more to the image of Christ. And how many know that that's a process? It doesn't happen once, and it's, it's not a one and done, right? I, I walk more and more like Jesus every day. I'm being sanctified. I'm being made new. Come on, right? And a lot of Christians stay baby Christians because they don't understand this, that God wants you to grow up and to become like Jesus, to be a servant. So he says in verse 25, instead, we will speak the truth in love, growing in every way more and more like Christ, who is the head of the body, the church. And he makes the whole body fit together perfectly as each part does its own special work. It helps the other parts grow so that the whole body is healthy and growing and full of love. We grow. We become the household of faith, the house of God, doing what God wants us to do. And he talks about living in light, not, no longer living in darkness. He continues here in chapter 4, verse 17. 
It says, with the Lord's authority, I say this, live no longer as the Gentiles do, for they are hopelessly confused. Skipping down to verse 28. If you are a thief, quit stealing. Instead, use your hands for good hard work and then give generously to others in need. Don't use foul and abusive language. Let everything you say be good and helpful so that your words will be an encouragement to those who hear them. And do not bring sorrow to the Lord's spirit by the way you live. Remember, he has identified you as his own, guaranteeing that you will be saved on the day of redemption. Get rid of all bitterness and rage and anger and harsh words and slander as well as all types of evil behavior. Instead, be kind to each other, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, just as God through Christ has forgiven you. This is the culture of the king's house. This is the culture of the palace. This is the culture of the manor. This is how the Lord wants his estate to be run. Even his servants need to behave this way, right? We come into his house, we've been adopted. Toddlers don't know this stuff, right? But they grow into it because, because they've been enculturated in the house. They learn what's appropriate, what's not appropriate. They become faithful servants of the house. And even the, the inheritors, the sons and daughters of, of the Lord, they have even more responsibility in many ways because they, they are children of the inheritance. They have an even greater responsibility. So he talks about living this full life. And that brings us to step number three. We talked about lighting the candles and filling the glasses. We begin to get the tools together as if there's going to be a dinner. <laughs> we have the plates. We have the napkins. We, we begin to put things close to where they belong, right? We start thinking things are getting ready. We go, we have all the portions here. We check in the kitchen. We go, we have any ingredients that we're missing? Is everything fresh? Oh no, you just burned the chicken. We have to do something else and different protein. We're going to work on that, right? Here's what Paul says, living the full life, living in the light. He says, suppose... You're walking along a beach, and this is in my study Bible. There's a great little writing about this, living a full life. He says, suppose you're walking along a beach and find an old treasure chest, but you pry it open, and it's full of sand, not gold coins. Now suppose someone else comes along and offers to give you as much gold as you can fit into the chest. Sounds good, right? But what are you going to have to do? You're going to have to empty the chest before you can put the treasure in. Right. Are we ready for a banquet right now? Are we really ready? Well, you got a candle lit, kind of, right? Barely. We'll get, we'll get some of this wax off of here. Good thing I have a spare napkin. Get some of that wax off so the candle burns brightly, right? We have a, we have a full glass and we have a candle, but the, the plate still has a bunch of stuff on it. <laughs> Is it ready to receive the entree and the food and the, or to put a a bowl of soup on there? No, no, it has to be cleared, right? It has to be completely set and made ready. Everything has to be, all the, all the, the pans in the back in the kitchen, those have to be opened and ready. You have to take the lids off so you can put the soup in, right? Yeah, everything's gotta be prepared in such a way so that it's ready when the guests come to receive what's gonna be put on the plate. God is giving treasure 
In many ways, the kingdom of God is light. How do you receive light? Open your eyes, right? You gotta let the light come in. If this, if the windows are drawn, you gotta open the shade and let the light come in. And here's what he says, and Paul was really warning this church in Ephesus that there were a lot of people pretending to be Christians, pretending to be people of the light, but they weren't really members of God's house. They were charlatans, they were thieves, they were they were con artists, they were trying to take advantage of the church. Here's what he says in verse 6. says, Don't be fooled by those who try to excuse these sins, for the anger of God will fall on those who disobey him. Don't participate in the things that these people do. For once you were full of darkness, but now you have the light from the Lord. So live as people of the light. For this light is within you, produces only what is good and right and true. Carefully determine what pleases the Lord, and take no part in the worthless deeds of evil and the darkness instead, Expose these things. And he encourages the church, hey, wake up. Wake up. <laughs> it's a dark time. People are, are they're creeping in. They're trying to pull you away from Christ. Yeah, we can say the same thing in the church today, in America, in the Western world. Hey, don't you see what's going on? Wake up. This isn't in the Bible. This isn't what Jesus says. This, no, 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 no. Stay awake. Be alert. Be ready. He says this in, in verse 15 of chapter 5. He says, so be careful how you live. Don't live like the, the fools, but like those who are wise. Make the most of every opportunity in these evil days. Don't th act thoughtlessly, but understand what God wants you to do. Don't be drunk with wine, because that will ruin your life. Instead, be filled with the Holy Spirit, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs amongst yourselves, making music to the Lord in your hearts. And I love that one. As a worship leader, I love that one. And give thanks for everything to God, the Father, in, in, in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. And then he begins to give advice to husbands and wives. And we love church, right? We love having this presence of God and the singing and the joy and seeing each other. How you doing? How was your week? How are things going? We love it. But sometimes we go home and home's not like that. Right? We go right back to bickering. We go right back to fighting. Go right back to having our arguments. Like all that sweetness we had at church disappears as soon as you get in the car. Come on. You live in the same world I live in. Right? Sometimes it's, we, we have a hard time bringing that sweetness of God's spirit to the other environments that we live in. Here's what he says. The spirit-guided relationships, speaking to wives and husbands, says, and further... Submit one to another out of reverence for Christ. A lot of times we hear one part of it like women have to submit. No, no. Men and women have to submit to each other. The only way a healthy marriage works is if each of us put the needs of other before ourselves. <laughs> it's getting real quiet in the church now, isn't it? All the married people are like, oh no, I'm in trouble. Yeah, you busted. You busted. You busted. Got to put the needs of the person that you're married to ahead of your own. Submitting one to another. Now, this is a passage I read at, at weddings all the time. It says, for wives, this means to submit your, yourselves to your husband as unto the Lord. And for the husband is the head of the wife, as Christ is head of the church. And he's the savior of the body of the church. As the, Christ submits to, as, the, as the church submits to Christ, so the wives should submit to your husbands in everything. For the husbands... This means that your wives, 
you should love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave up his life for her to make her body clean and washed by the cleansing of God's word. See, guys, actually, you have the harder job. All they have to do is submit. You have to die. You got to die. You got to lay, you got to lay your whole life down for that lady. You got to die to yourself completely. You go, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not, I don't even, I'm not even in the equation. Whatever she needs. You know, a, a woman doesn't have a problem submitting to a man who lays down his life for her. No problem. No problem. God would die for me. I'll do anything for him. Right? That's what a healthy marriage looks like. A man's got to die. The woman's got to submit. It's pretty tough on both sides. But dying is pretty hard too, right? So all of it's, it's all connected. It's all connected. It's about self-sacrifice. It's about putting the needs of others, submitting one another to one another, submitting to each other's needs first. Man, if we did that, we'd have a much higher success rate in marriages. Right? It's selfishness in our culture that has really breeded so much separation and divorce. But if we loved each other unconditionally, we'd have no problem submitting one to another. We really wouldn't. Here's what he finishes this chapter. He says, so again I say, each man must love his wife as he loves himself, and the wife must respect her husband. See, if you love that woman as much as you love yourself, or maybe more, she's not going to have any problems submitting to, to whatever final decision you might have to make. But most decisions you probably need to make together. Right? You're going to talk things over. You're not going to just jump on them with, with what you decided. You're not going to bring down the hammer and go, I decided. No, no. We're going to talk these things out. And you're basically, you're just the tie-breaking vote, right? If it really comes down to we can't agree, you know? And then, wives, if your husband makes the wrong call, guess what you get to do later? You go, I told you. <laughs> I told you that was a bad idea, right? And he has to go, I know, you were right. <laughs> right? And that's healthy marriages to admit when we're wrong and to show each other mercy when we are wrong. Not holding each other against one another for the rest of your life, but to forgive each other, to be kind. Ooh, I know it's getting good because it's getting real quiet. There's not a lot of amens, but you're like, oh, I know, I know. This one, this one was for me. It's okay. Okay. It's for me too. It's for me too. I get a lot of preparing these messages. Chapter 6. It talks about children and parents. There's a blessing connected. Again, for submitting one to another. He says, children, obey your parents because you belong to the Lord. For this is the right thing to do. Honor your father and mother. This is the first commandment with a promise. If you honor your father and mother, things will go well for you. And you will live a long life on the earth because they won't kill you. Or what? actually what they're instructing you to do it might be kind of wise, right? Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger by the way you treat them. Rather, bring them up with the discipline and the instruction that comes from the Lord. And then he goes on to talk about slaves and masters, or what we would say in the modern vernacular, bosses and employees. <laughs> right? Work for your boss as if you were working for the Lord. Do your work well so your boss is proud of you. Do it in such a way that he want to give you a promotion. They go, wow, you worked very hard on that. Uh, you've... You've added so much value to this company, to this business, to our enterprise. I, I got to give you a raise. I got to promote you. 
um, hey, do you want to buy a franchise? <laughs> I mean, th th they need to feel that good about you that you could eventually be your own boss <laughs> and have your own thing going on. So step four, we set the table. We set the table. Right? We've got, we've got a dinner for We've got a dessert and salad for We've got a tablespoon that's for the table for serving, right? We have the regular spoon and we have the teaspoon in case we would have tea service or coffee service, right? Typical fancy meal, um, nice porcelain bone china or something like that on a tablecloth, nice setting, right? It's a, the king's throwing a banquet. God doesn't do stuff cheap. It's not McDonald's and paper cups with God. Come on, somebody. When he does things, he does all things well. He doesn't just throw it together and go, I hope you like it. No, I mean, it's like, no. He puts thought into it. And he asks us to do the same thing, to prepare the dinner because it's the king's banquet. It reflects upon the king. It reflects his glory, his majesty, his greatness. And what does he ask us to do as we're being discipled? Do the servants just show up in their ACDC cutoffs and their <laughs> t-shirts and their, and their uh, little Converse tennis shoes? Hey, I'm here to serve the banquet. No, no. Dressed in black, apron to the floor, right? Beards trimmed real nice. Little hair gel in there. Ladies got the lipstick on. They're ready to go, right? They're serving the banquet. Right? They look sharp. They're ready to go. They're not a guest. They're there to serve. And they do everything with excellence because this is the king's banquet. So we as Christians, as disciples, we prepare ourselves for battle. And this brings us to Ephesians chapter 6, the whole armor of God. It says, now a final word, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on all of God's armor so that you'll be able to stand firm against all the strategies of the devil. For we, we are not fighting against flesh and blood enemies, but against evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world, against mighty powers in this dark world, and against evil spirits in the heavenly places. Therefore, put on every piece of God's armor, so you will be able to resist the enemy in the time of trouble. And after the battle, you will be standing firm. Stand your ground, putting on the belt of truth, and the body armor of God's righteousness for shoes put on the peace that comes from the good news so that you will be fully prepared. In addition to all of these, hold the shield of faith to stop the fire arrows of the devil. Put on this, the salvation as your helmet and take the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. Pray in the spirit on all times and on every occasion. Stay alert and be persistent in your prayers for all believers everywhere. And pray for me too, as I ask God to, to give me the right words so I can boldly explain God's mysterious plan so that the good news for the Jews and Gentiles, for the Jews and Gentiles alike, I am in chains now, but still preaching this message as God's ambassador. So pray that I will keep on speaking as boldly for him as I should. Paul's asking for prayer. He's saying, this stuff is hard. I need strength that doesn't come from me. And I think that you could pray on my behalf and God would give me a little boost, <laughs> give me a little help in my time of trouble, in my difficulty, when I get a little fearful, some comfort from the Holy Spirit that would do me some good. And then he finds, he closes this 
Ephesians with this is peace be with you, dear brothers and sisters. And may the God of our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ give you love and faithfulness. May God's grace be eternally upon all who love our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. That's the book of Ephesians. And I intentionally kind of wrapped it there. There's another, I normally do five chapters, but I wrapped it with four here today. I want to share a couple important things with you. Maybe you don't know the Lord. First of all, you're watching the feed today, or maybe you've been far from God. You know that today's your day to make your peace with God, to say, this is my day. I need to say yes to Jesus. Or maybe you're like, uh, maybe I said yes to Jesus, but I, it was a long time ago. And I think I'd just like to re-up that commitment, rededicate myself as a believer to say, I'm, I, I really want to know. I nailed this thing. I'm in the family, right? I want to be one of his kids. I want to be adopted. I want to be a part of the house to make the king's banquet ready. If you're ready to do that today, it's a simple prayer of just commitment to Christ. Asking him to forgive you of your sins and the Lord of your life. I was studying about a man here this week who came up with the fourfold gospel. Helped launch a few different evangelical denominations. Christ is Savior. He saves us from sin. He's our sanctifier. He makes us holy. He's our healer. We sang about that a lot today. And he's our coming king. The king that's going to be throwing a banquet. And, and you're invited. All of humanity is invited. But you have to accept the invitation. <laughs> you ready to do that? If you haven't done it, church, would you pray the prayer of commitment to Christ? Pray this prayer with me if you haven't done it, or it's been a long time and you want to rededicate your life to Christ. Say these words. Say, Dear Jesus, I'm sorry for all the sins I've committed. Thank you for dying on the cross for me. I believe that God raised you from the dead. According to the scriptures. I accept your invitation. I look forward to the day when I see you face to face. Please come into my heart. Be my Savior and be my Lord. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Hey, so a um, couple announcements here. We are getting ready to do our next season of Alpha Course. And it's gonna, I finally got the official permission from our landlord to use the basement kitchen and the downstairs, the setup tables, to do everything on Thursday nights right here at the church. So we're going to make that little banquet room really nice. And it's going to be awesome. I have a little sign-up sheet for volunteers if you want to be a part of either with the food or being a greeter or setting up or tearing down, or even if you're so bold as we want to do one of the talks, we're going to do sort of a hybrid version of Alpha. We're going to do part video and part live talks every other week. There'll be a video one week and a live person doing the talk the next week. So if you want to volunteer for any of that stuff, sign this little clipboard. We need your email address. We can give you access to the Alpha Course uh, Helpers um, website and you'll get training videos. And we're gonna do our first training night on September 2nd and September 9th. And it'll be 6.30 to 8.30, Thursday nights this fall, and it'll, it'll finish up just before Thanksgiving. So September, October, a couple first weeks of November. Time to pass this around. Max, play that beautiful bean footage about the Alpha Bush. Jesus 
is hard. And this is interesting, because at some point, everyone wrestles with life's big questions. Questions about hope, purpose, meaning, and love. Imagine creating a space where people in our community, our friends, neighbors, and co-workers, can come and have conversations in a way that is authentic and unforced. Where leaders don't need to have all the answers, and anyone can ask tough questions and share honestly about what they believe. That's what Alpha is all about. Alpha started in a church in London years ago with a simple idea to engage friends who might not typically go to church. Lives were transformed and it began to grow all over the world. Today, you can find Alpha in schools, coffee shops, church buildings, prisons, and homes. And so far, millions of people have experienced Alpha. So what is Alpha? Alpha is a series of interactive sessions exploring the basics of the Christian faith. In each session, you eat food, listen to a talk, and have discussions in small groups. Eating food together creates space for people to connect, relax, and build friendships. The talks tackle core questions about life and faith from a Christian perspective. And the discussion allows people to unpack these ideas without fear of being corrected or judged. All of this is done in a fun environment where anyone is welcome. There are three main sets of talks and reviews. The Alpha Film Series, Alpha with Nikki Gumbel, and the Alpha Youth Series. Each is designed with a different audience in mind and is typically run over 8 to 12 weeks, with a weekend away where there are opportunities to experience worship through music and moments for prayer. Alpha also comes with everything you need to empower others to be involved, like discussion guides and training videos for you and your team. And all the talks and tools are available online and can be downloaded for free. By running Alpha, you're creating a space where people can connect with each other and connect with God. Sign up, get started, run Alpha today. County Churches want to just invite you into uh, what takes place every week here in the region, and that is a group of pastors from our community getting together, praying for our city and our community. I want to encourage you, we're on now the seventh annual Pastor Day Prayer. There's something special about the unity of the body of Christ when we come together, that there is a blessing commanded. I believe there's a blessing commanded in this place. John Wesley said, God does nothing except in response to believing prayer. I really believe that's true. That if you want to see something miraculous happen, sometimes we need God's hand more than we need our effort. And the best way you can do that is through prayer. Do it individually, but when we do it corporately, there's something very special about that. We believe strongly that the opportunity for us to gather together in prayer actually does that very thing. That there was a unity piece that happens that we're fulfilling what Jesus has asked us to do in John 17. I can't think of anything more encouraging than brothers and sisters in Christ from different churches coming together. I think for all of us, we can readily acknowledge that our world can change uh, overnight, seemingly. But we serve a God who does not change. So let us gather together and give Him the praise, honor, and glory that is right we give Him. And we will be happy to see you in this very special day of prayer. Come out 
and see what, what's happening that day. You'll enjoy it. I want to encourage and invite you all to join us for the Castle Rock Day of Prayer. Right, come join us in this display of unity with all the other churches and Christians gathering here in Castle Rock. It'll be a fun time. It's the outdoors world great life. Yeah, so that is in two, two Saturdays, September 4th, 9 a.m. at Festival Park, downtown Castle Rock. There's almost always two or 3,000 people at that gathering. We'd love to have you there. And oftentimes we break into prayer circles and pray with our neighbors and friends. And it's a great to show of unity. That's a little prayer circle I go to every Thursday morning with all the Castle Rock pastors here in the valley. It's pretty awesome. So uh, just know that we're praying for you. And hopefully you're praying for us at the same time. Why don't you stand with me and I'll give you the blessing we'll go. Father, thank you for your word. Help us to be fully equipped with the armor of God to be ready for the king's banquet. Now may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you. May he be gracious unto you. Lift your countenance and give you his peace. In Christ's name I pray. Amen. Amen. Go in peace. Serve the Lord. Have a great week, everybody. Invite a friend to church next week. It's, it's going to get better and better as we go into the fall. We're looking forward to it. Good work, Johnny. What time is her banquet today? Oh, right. Thank you so much for tuning in today to the ministry of Summit Church and the daily outreach of Wayne Hanson. You can support our ministry in many ways. Click the donate button on our Facebook page, Summit Church of Castle Rock. Visit our webpage, mysummitchurch.com, and click the online giving link. Or mail your donation to Summit Church of Castle Rock, 200 South Wilcox Street, Box 243, Castle Rock, Colorado, 80104. Or finally, text your gift to 303-625-9434 and follow the prompts using your smartphone. You can also support us by connecting with our online community. Comment, like, share, follow, and subscribe on our various social media channels. Of course, we appreciate you joining us in daily prayer. I'm Sean Reimer, and on behalf of Pastor Wayne and the Summit Church family, take care and have a great week. Remember, God loves you.